Hello and welcome to the Emerald Games Cast, episode five. My name is Nolan. With I, me is I'm Alex. Jumped the gun there, bud. You're getting eager, and then also my name is Andrea, and this is the second time we've recorded this intro because I jumped the gun first. It's a mess. I'm driving a car on a road trip. The kids in the back screaming. This is what I deal with. Dad, are we done with the podcast yet? <laughs> are we, is the podcast over? Are we almost yep, there? That's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cue that outro song. Play the outro, Danny. Thanks. <laughs> no. All right, guys. This is a momentous week. This is an occasion that history will remember. We finally know what Sonic the Hedgehog looks like. The trailer's out. Well, we've been able to see him for a long time, yeah, since like 1992. He's, he's existed for a while. Yeah, but now, but now he's in San Francisco with James Marsden and Jim Carrey's after him. Everything's different. I played the Genesis games. It seems pretty accurate. Yeah, it's, it's pitch Cyclops perfect. wasn't in those, though. All right, but listeners, if you haven't seen this trailer, you've got to watch it. This it's, wretched, fetid hog. This is all I can think about. Guys, What? tell me about Sonic's design. It's bad. I, I, I don't know what else we can say about it. It's awful. It uh, makes me feel child sick. Child boy, weasel face, gr- blue hair. like Human teeth? Human teeth. Human <laughs> teeth. That's the big thing for me is the human teeth. Yeah. I, the big thing for me, actually, is how they changed his gloves. Like, instead of white gloves, he just has white oh, fur hands. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's no reason that? he couldn't yep. have had gloves. Yeah. I remember when li- the world was simple and people were mad, they made his arms blue? Um, it Sonic wasn't Boom. people. It was person. It was, it was one person. It was a vocal person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I wanted to bring this whole Sonic kerfuffle up because I have some, uh, I have some theories uh, one of them being that there is a massive conspiracy within the Sega Corporation mm-hmm. and that all of this was planned. Do we have a Sonic movie truther? Yes, I am is a Sonic, Sonic movie truther. Sonic Zeitgeist? Sonic Zeitgeist. I am unveiling the... the da Vinci hog. Fahrenheit. I don't know a number associated with Sonic. Basically, <laughs> they've known about this whole uh, riot over just even the legs picture. Okay, the the reason that I, I'm bringing this whole uh, conspiracy thing up is because recently the director, Jeff Fowler, promised that there would be changes to Sonic's design. With only about, uh, what is it, six, six months six to release? Six months, yeah. Yeah, six months to release, reanimating the whole movie with a completely different Sonic is not an insignificant task. Now, some people, myself included, have came to the um, maybe crazy opinion. I don't think it is because I'm not insane. I'm totally sane, and I think that this was planned all along. Real quick, can we talk about the the less outlandish opinions, the the, the common beliefs that are going around? Um, if you really want to give uh, any sort of credence to people who are obviously trying to deny the truth, sure. so there are three options. I think one is that he's full of shit. One is that he's just like Jeff well, Fowler, he's just saying Jeff Fowler. Jeff Fowler is full of shit. The director, yes, yes. the director of the Sonic movie is is not actually going to change anything. Two is that animators are going to work a hundred hour weeks. To make this Sonic the Hedgehog look better. Wait a second. The, nobody ever would ask their employees to do that. Right. That's yeah, awful. No, we no industry ever that. does this. This is going to be the most accurate video game movie because they've interpreted Crunch. They put, they put Crunch in the real world. Yeah. It's yeah. Made it real. gaming podcast. <laughs> hey, it's about Sonic. Anyways, option yeah. two. Uh, option two is it gets delayed. Actually, any combination of those three. But uh, I just think they needed to get out and get attention and also goodwill from fans because Pikachu's hitting the city that's in like the worst part is this days. is this is coming off the tail of a movie that looks pretty good this in is terms worse of than when titanfall designs. 2 dropped on the same day as but you two you two you are denying me a voice yeah, right yeah. tell now. us tell us okay. your theory <laughs> so i don't need to tell you that the design is bad everyone agrees that the design is bad people have agreed on that ever since the first legs picture putrid hog the putrid fetid hog the muscly ripped legs picture uh yeah it's just nasty now the two things that I believe are either, one, 
the designers were drunk. Two, this was planned all along. This version of Sonic exists only for this trailer. Now, there's one admittedly flimsy justification I have for this. So I went through the entire trailer and looked at every single shot. And there is only one. You did? You yes, analyzed the trailer. <laughs> yes, I analyzed the you Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Frame, frame by frame buttons on YouTube. Like there is only one shot in the entire trailer where Sonic is seen interacting, well, even with another person from the waist up. Now, that scene, the only one that Sonic appears waist up with another person, is in a car where the lighting is incredibly flat and Sonic is not casting a shadow. <laughs> What's going on with you? Okay. No, I, right. I, th- I think I get what she's trying to say. I'm saying that if they wanted to just sh- have specific scenes rendered with Sonic, doing a replacement for the trailer would not be hard at all. Uh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Because it's it's like a... Uh, I, I've definitely heard this theory. Oh, there he, are other truthers out there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are other ones. This is... This is cause We're not like, alone. You know how many signatures and handshakes it takes to make a movie? For someone to just say, okay, let's take our main character and completely rework him from the ground up... That's impossible. Like they're on, already on, working on Twitter well, too. Well. Yeah, they're already working yeah. on like merchandising and like posters. There's no way that they can get away with this. So I'm I'm leaning towards your boat actually, where this was a marketing ploy. This was they wanted to keep people mad and then show them the original one so that they could think it was slightly better in comparison to the bad one. Yeah, I, absolutely. I just I just can't wait for any of it for all of it. I'm I'm there. I'm one of those people that like this movie's gonna suck ass, but I'm there day one. I'm gonna have a great time. Oh, I'm I, excited. I just I can't wait. If there's one positive thing about the Sonic movie looking like hot dumpster garbage, it's that you can get five friends in a row to go and laugh at it. And it's this is our generation Super Mario Bros. That's what it is. But maybe more self aware. I don't know. I can't tell. Shout out to Coolio. Yeah, Shout out to Coolio. Let's start talking about things that are less than tangentially related to video games, or more than tangentially related to video yeah, games. Yeah, there you go. We have a couple of things here in the what is usually the releases um, category before we go into the news. There's one pretty interesting story, which is that this game people may or may not remember called World of Goo, which I believe is like over a decade old at this Never point. Fifteen years. World of Goo, man. Yeah, but 15 years, you think? I, I mean, want to say 15. Someone can look it up, but it's certainly It was old. a wee darling. It was just slightly over a decade. It was okay. um, one of the initial games on the indie uh, console wave before that became a big thing because it was a Wii Shop game before the Xbox Live Arcade really kick-started the like, indie game mm. you know, revolution, for lack of a better word. Yeah, but tell them what they did, Nolan. They got an update. Yeah, t- like they, over I- 10 years later, they introduced a free HD remaster that all owners of World of Goo now have access to. Yeah, that's great. On, it, on PC, at least. Yeah. But still, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see more developers come around and do this. I mean, I'm sure it takes time to do, but it seems like with what these guys said in their release about it is it wasn't particularly taxing to slap on some new features for this the, game. The yeah. other indie darling around that era, uh, Castle Crashers, the Xbox Live game, did something similar, um, where they explained that it's a lot easier to just update a game when it's on PC as opposed to having to make a new one for a different generation of a console, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's just a small little thing, but it's uh, it's worth noting that that's a cool little thing, a gold star for you. Um, what it, what is their company name? I forgot, but I know what they made. You know, yeah, they made I little, know. Little, little Inferno, Inferno yeah, Little and Inferno, and yeah. Machine and uh, Tomorrow Industries, I believe. That sounds about right. Don't look it up, listeners. We're always one hundred percent accurate on this show. Tomorrow Industries, you heard it here first. We are the only source of fact. Alex, tell me what else came out today. Uh, little, little game, little game called Duck Game. Sco. 
So duck game is, I've heard people can say that it's uh, Contra meets Smash Bros. It is, you're ducks, first of all. You get one hit. You get a bunch of guns, you get one hit. And it's a multiplayer game where you are running around fighting other ducks. There's a dedicated button to quack and a dedicated button to change the pitch of the quack. And it's probably one of the funniest oh and most god, fun multiplayer games. Oh my god, games it's so fun! I've the ever full played. Disclosure: Nolan, Alex, and I—we uh, love Duck Game. We regularly play this game together. Game. Yeah, I think I have—I think I have like seventy hours logged on Steam on Duck Game or something yeah. absurd. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it just released for Switch, which is cool. A lot easier to play in a living room with with your friends as opposed to over <laughs> the internet like we do. But really, if you ever just want, you know, if you have four, four friends coming over or whatever, like this has got to be the perfect party game. It's not complex in the way a fighting game is. You don't need to learn mechanics as long as they know how to pick up something, shoot something, and do a quack. It's that everyone's gonna have a good time. Quacks are legally required. Oh yeah, yeah. Legally now, required. Well, I think the, I think the best part about this game is that it's really really funny, and games don't tend to do humor yeah. super well. Mm-hmm. And there's no Especially jokes. There's no jokes. No, it's, it's just, just it's the just movement like, and the things that you can do are really really funny. Top tier physical comedy, just yeah. based on the shit you can do as a little pixel. As ducks. Yeah, it's so good. Now, Nolan, tell me what else released on Switch this fine ah. morning. I'm excited. Was it this morning? I, I was. was I think morning. it was yesterday. It's going to be last week for you when this comes out on Tuesday. But I have this game that I absolutely adore called Valhalla, which is spelled V-A-11-Hall-A, you know, because it's cyberpunk. It looks cool. But this is a visual novel that I played on PC, a cyberpunk visual novel where you play as a bartender in... You're basically just serving drinks to regulars that come in and it's storytelling where you're learning about all of the details and lore of this really interesting speculationist future world that all of the info is just based off of like banal conversations from people in this bar. So you it don't get to feel explore, like you don't get to explore anything. You're just mixing drinks for people. You're only ever behind the counter of the bar and in your apartment. Your only interactions are like what you pour for people. And then also there is mechanics involved in paying for your bills at your house and also buying items for your character like she'll say oh i really want this new like piece for my computer and if you don't buy it you'll go to work and she'll be distracted and then you miss parts of customers orders so you have to balance like buying things that she just wants to buy and then paying your electrical bill like i got to the end of my first playthrough and i couldn't pay my electrical bill because i was buying every single thing that jill wanted including like a phone wallpaper and so I had a bad ending the first time because of that, but uh, it's just, it's, I call it a coffee game. It's, I've been amassing. It's good. That's what we can say. Yeah. I've like, been amassing a collection of coffee games. I just got to say, which is I'll play them 30 minutes in one sitting, just sit down with a cup of coffee and play them and just feel like I'm watching an episode of a show. And it, it's so relaxing. What if you played them with a drink that tastes good instead? Then you could call it a good drink flavor game. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> News! Andy, hit me up oh, with God. our first story. Our first story. Um, I, have you guys heard of Epic Games? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Rocket Leaf dev, Psionics, was bought out by Epic Games, which of course is owned by Tencent. Um, we touched on the Epic Games controversy in episode one. A lot of people don't like it, and uh, some of that is justified and some of that ain't. If you want to know our opinions, episode one is the place to go. Yep. But yeah, the Rocket League devs, they are very tied to the Unity engine, which is, of course, owned by Epic Games. So um, a lot of people see this as a natural as a natural thing. But yeah, I, I think that the interesting thing about this was there was concern that it was going to be pulled off of the Steam storefront after being on there for several years. And that got people upset. That 
is something that I would give some credence to. I think that's an interesting precedent to set. They did not end up doing this. They confirmed that it would still be on Steam. Well, no, they said that they have not yet announced their plans. Yeah, it's it's a bit up. In the oh, air. really? In fact, the language, in my opinion, actually does imply that it will be removed from Steam. Yeah, I wholeheartedly uh, agree on the that. The way that I read it, I'm trying to to go find where I had the quote. That just feels a little here. weird to me. Ah, it's one it thing to get an exclusive, but if you've got something that's been on a different storefront for years and then pull it off your storefront, I don't know how I feel about that. So I, here's I, the quote from Epic, just to put oh, it in yeah. context. The PC version of Rocket League will come to the Epic Game Store in late 2019. In the meantime, it will continue to be available for purchase on Steam. Thereafter, it will continue to be supported on Steam for all existing purchasers. In my opinion, in the meantime, followed by thereafter, implies two distinctly separate periods of time. Absolutely. I don't think it's going to stay on Steam. I don't think that it's going to, I don't, I mean, if you have already bought it on Steam, you'll get to keep it. My concern is more that if I bought DLC for Rocket League on Steam now, and then new stuff comes out in 2019 later, will I need to pre- repurchase the game to do that? Or will there be some sort of transfer operation that is 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 allowed? Because otherwise, you're going to split your player base in that way. That's my, main, that's my main concern. Honestly, this is something I'm kind of apathetic to in terms of uh, ethics of it. it. They're just moving it to a different store. I don't see much of an issue as long as they're going to continue to support the Steam version. Uh, if they suddenly dropped support for the Steam version, that's terrible. They bought it. They should expect it to receive the same treatment as everything else that you sell. Well, I think they did confirm that they are going to keep supporting Exactly, it, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. And yep. the fact that they're doing that makes me not so worried for them pulling it off Steam. Sure. The other thing is that Rocket League was kind of like the prototypical crossplay game for a while. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that this will matter in terms of... I, I imagine that they have the technology to make your Epic's friend list interact with your Steam's friend list and have But do they crossover. want to? These well, two are competitors. I feel like... I would think they would want to. They, they would, would absolutely want to, yeah. want to. I think so. Why would you want to segment off the new player base once it's added onto the Epic Store? Is it currently added on the Epic Store? I don't think no, yet. Not late yet. 2019. Yeah, late 2019. Uh, you don't want to sell this new old game and then have the player base be back to zero. Yeah, absolutely. Epic wouldn't want to have a smaller player pool, so I think it would make sense business-wise for them to allow cross-pollination. Sure, but Steam and Epic aren't the best of friends right now. Do you really think they'd both <laughs> agree with it? I can't yeah. help but feel like there would be some some issue there. I, um, I, don't, I don't see any issue with it. It's m- mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, but actually Alex brings up a good point. The only way I could see that not working is if Steam said no to cross-play. But also, I don't think, I mean, Steam's already kind of losing favor in some people's eyes. I feel like they would want to play the good role, you know. But I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm a little apathetic to this one. Like, it's an interesting story because I'm really interested in what Epic Games Store will look like in the future. Right now, it's sort of still in its infancy. They don't have a huge library. But, like, this is a pretty interesting first step in terms of an acquisition to moving into being an actual... Yeah, they're gobbling up some stuff. ...competitor Steam, which they're I think they're kind of right now, but not quite. I will say I think this is a really smart play for Epic if they want to get into esports. Because Fortnite esports have never really been that great they kind of fell out of favor just because it's not a very interesting game to watch i think it, trying to keep track of 100 people or whatever oh my god um, but the the amount of people we oh, no, saw yeah. at like 4 in the morning in but, seattle you know, yeah people like people like it Fortnite. that doesn't mean that it's a great esport you know yeah, compared to rocket yeah. league which is considered to be one of the best most watchable esports by the way just in case you don't know what this is um it's soccer with cars yeah which it almost perfectly resembles a sport Mm-hmm. In, in the way mm-hmm. that many games that are esports don't. 
Yeah, no, uh, just imagine you've got a remote control car and you're playing soccer with it. That you is get a big old ball. That is literally it. You understand the game now. Fascinating difference to me, though, is that you have things that are soccer that are already esports like FIFA, but there's such a massive difference to me between having a button to pass and a button to shoot on goal versus the only control you have is the direction your car is moving. So in order to differentiate between a pass hit or a goal hit, it's 100% down to your own motor controls. Like that, I think Rocket League might be the closest thing we have to a digital sport because of that. Whereas other games, like you're using inputs and trying to figure out strategies. This game is the strategies are reliant on you knowing how to use the inputs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Smash is like that too, kind of, in a way. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a lot, it, low concept, high execution, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, not much more to say about that, really. It, I guess if you want your Rocket League to stay on Steam, go start buying some DLC. You want to be a completionist, you know? Uh, I think that would be the opposite of what you would want to do. <laughs> go buy it on Switch so you can drive that Metroid car. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give me like a Mario and Luigi car. What's they that? have those. They have those. Oh my! Oh I think they're just hats, yeah. but you can have the cars wear hats. Yeah, get on top of this. All right, we have another story about a big, big corporation main, making a funky move. <laughs> Microsoft dropped this post on their blog that is an update on their community standards, which on its surface sounds like the driest story we could possibly pick. But why I think this story is kind of funny is they specifically laid out what is and isn't okay in terms of trash talk and they provided written examples i mean just a a little context let's back up just a little bit Uh i think the reason that this isn't completely dry is the fact that they had a really really strong focus on ending harassment and making games more inclusive and less of a you know like a rude boys club i guess that's that's um, good context because Xbox Live has um, not just Xbox Live games as a whole, but Xbox been... Live in particular has a years long reputation for that's toxic true. community. But yeah, fighting toxicity and gatekeeping is is a really interesting, admirable thing to do. I, I can't think of any other companies that have just outwardly kind of done this. Maybe Blizzard kind of tried. Well, let's see how well its Xbox One does. Talk a little bit more about the the what you were bringing up, Nolan, because that's they said this wonderful thing. They said, "Be yourself, but not at the expense of others." Which is a brilliant sentence all around. Which I hope isn't sarcastic. I don't think it's sarcastic okay, at all. No, I know no, I I'm mean saying, it. Okay, good. I, I think it's generally a brilliant sentence. That's that's the cleanest way to say, hey, if you're a dick, don't be, without <laughs> calling them out. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. Here's what I think is, in, or what we think is interesting, is that they have guidelines on trash talk. Yeah, that's what I mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Alex, tell me what acceptable trash talk includes. All right, let's. Let's 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 role play this here, okay? Uh, okay. We're gonna play we're gonna play some Call of Duty in like 2011. Oh my KD. Yeah. Wait, are we doing the going too far trash talk? No, no, or no, 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 no. I'm doing the, trash I'm doing talk. some acceptable trash okay, talk. Okay, okay, all right. You're a good boy. There's none of that bad you know trash what? talk on this Christian podcast. You know what, Andrea? That was some serious potato aim. Get wrecked. Get destroyed. Can't believe you thought you were on my level. Cheap win. Come at me when you can actually drive without running cars off the road. That sucked. Get good and come back when your KD's over one. These are all acceptable examples that they listed. I guess I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> Andy, come back. Get out of here, Andy. All you do is bring down the show. The the going <laughs> the going too far ones are they have things back that mention therapy. <laughs> time skip arc. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they have things that mention that you can't say or going too far, which is uh, sexual threats, profanity, racial slurs. 
the funny threats thing is against people's lives. They're actually identical to the acceptable trash talk. They're just well, they don't have the problematic parts. That's I, it. I, I know, but they just added like instead of saying get destroyed, it says get sexual threat. Can't believe you thought you were on my level. Yeah, they censored all the words in the in hey, this article. Hey, profanity. That was some potato aim. Which, like, I mean, that's good. I don't want to see those words, but like, it looks a little silly. I mean, I, I think this is all really fair. Honestly, I do too. Because like, I know plenty of people who are more competitive than I. Love their love their fair share of trash talk. I mean, I, I love trash talk, especially when. Uh, well, I, I never initiate it because I'm not <laughs> that kind of person. But if someone's gonna go hard on me, I'm gonna go hard on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot take on this. I don't think that Microsoft should be out here providing any examples of acceptable trash talk. I think they should encourage people to not engage in trash talk. If you have an official Microsoft site that says, cheap win, come at me when you can actually drive without running cars off the road, and that's your company line example of acceptable online conduct, personally, I think you should just tell your users, be kind and encouraging. Don't trash talk. Yeah, but that's not going to stop them. Give them an example of what's okay. I totally understand this. Like, if, if someone insults something that I did in-game, I can be like, haha, yeah, no, that was pretty bad. If someone insults me as a person, what the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah, that exactly. just feels like shit. Yeah, and this article actually is pretty extensive. They talk about, like, types of pictures you shouldn't upload, types of things you shouldn't name your club, you know, don't use, like, imagery associated with a hate, a hate group and you're, you know. It's like, do we really have to spell All these smart, things valid out? things, that, you yeah. Know? Yeah, um, no, the, the yeah. rest of it is pretty much common sense. Yeah, yeah. The the trash talk is the only one that's, you know. I think this is a cool effort, though. Microsoft has been doing a lot of neat things for inclusivity. Like, they had that yeah. uh, adaptive controller that they launched oh, not too long so ago. Cool. Awesome controller. I kind of want one just, yeah, to, yeah, just yeah. to see how it works. It's a beautiful thing. That's that's super cool. Um, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about that, but you, you should look that up on your own. There was yeah. like a Super Bowl ad that was really, really neat about it. Check it out. It looks like a DJ turntable. You know? Kind of does, yeah. Kind of does, yeah. So our next story has to do with something that I found very interesting as uh, I've got somewhat of a past in the uh, 3DS hacking scene. A hush, shady hush. history. No, don't admit that on the air. I didn't do anything Elite illegal, Hacks or girl right arrested. here. I'm not a criminal. But uh, essentially, a, uh, a game on the Nintendo Switch eShop has been removed because it included a hidden Ruby interpreter. I'm assuming most of you won't know what Ruby is because even most American programmers don't. Yeah, I don't. I'd appreciate it if you could explain it to me. Ruby is a programming language. So including a Ruby interpreter basically means they added a little environment where if you plug in a keyboard to your Switch, you can start running arbitrary Ruby code. Which is way outside what Nintendo it wants well, and would have approved. And, and what this means is that people can essentially hack into the Switch easier, Well, right? no, actually. That's the thing. The Ruby interpreter that was in, that's included can only do very basic stuff, like drawing shapes and just doing basic math. But could that be a gateway drug of sorts? A gateway drug? Or a gateway <laughs> code of sorts? It's likely just in its own little environment. Honey, our son, he's writing programs. Oh, no. You need to talk to him. I learned it from watching you. He said, hello world to me last night before bed. What does that mean? It's just Ruby now, but soon it's going to be Python. He might even get to Java eventually. He's going to be doing if-while loops, if-else loops. Honey, it's a slippery slope. Oh, my God. Is that a switch case? (laughs) Next thing you know, he's going to be playing Wii U under the covers at night. Not like the good, wholesome Switch we bought him. Switch case was a programming joke. I just realized it's also the console. Now, um, Yeah, I was confused about that, too. Yeah. yeah, oh, okay. In actuality, this Ruby interpreter is most likely powerless in terms of anything that you could do with the console. 
but the developer accidentally oversold it and saying every switch system is now can now be a ruby machine or something to that effect he just admitted this on twitter didn't he, he uh yeah he well okay it was uh the easter egg was discovered on a forum and then afterwards he uh he then like sold it out and saying hey th- any switch can now be a, a ruby boy but uh in actuality it's a very basic very very basic interpreter very very basic environment for programming but Nintendo, seeing this, was instantly like, nope, and took it off of the store, which I think says quite a lot about uh, Nintendo's current uh, Nintendo's current uh, opinion towards things like this. I mean, I there mean, are so many people out there who don't want their consoles or machines being hacked. We've had Apple resisting people doing this for years with phones, even like yeah, I yeah, get, but it's powerless. No, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but like it. it but the way I see it is that Nintendo, when they let someone upload a game onto their shop, like they they ostensibly they have an agreement on what the features are, and yeah. they and they're able to approve the game. Yes, this Ruby interpreter is not powerful, but the fact that it exists as a as a, as a, as a Trojan horse is in 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 of itself, it's a breach of contract. So I don't. I don't necessarily blame Nintendo for wanting this off the store. Maybe it'll go back up after they can either approve the feature or maybe, remove and it, I hope but, it does. I mean, best case scenario is they approve the interpreter's existence and re-upload the game, but that's I think a little bit unlikely. Yeah, that's that's the outcome I'm hoping for. I'm just interested in how they're going to approach it moving forward. Uh, but yeah, the reason I brought up 3DS hacking is because, uh, in case you didn't know, the previous generation of Nintendo consoles and even and even the Wii before that. Uh, they were incredibly easy to oh, hack, yeah, yeah, relatively mm-hmm. with like weird methods too. Like, I, there's like a what's that like a mini ninja or whatever. Uh, was Cubic the game? ninja had a memory Cub- leak, which could be exploited, uh, and that was the gateway to. It's like crappy, yeah. This crappy like seven dollars shovelware game that all of a sudden, it, like the prices on eBay skyrocketed because everybody was like, "Yo, this game has this code breach. You can you can hack your 3ds with now." I love that. I love to yeah. imagine developers like just waking up one morning and they're like, "Why did we sell 130,000 oh, cubic we ninja can't copies?" Oh, God. <laughs> I told you, Jerry, it would come around to help us. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm just curious how they're going to approach it moving forward. I hope it gets put back on the uh, put back on I the mean, switch. You know, it's not going to be right. Like almost certainly, but I just really hope it is. Yeah, I mean, this is Nintendo's platform; they can do whatever they want with it. It's not open source, basically. So I Which feel is like funny because they make use of open source projects. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not going to be open source; it's a console. But yeah, like yeah. they they do make use of open source projects, which is one reason why the Nintendo Switch is proving to be quite hackable. I'm I'm really interested to see if uh, Switch Homebrew goes as far as the 3DS did because 3DS Homebrew was insane. There was this app called Free Shop that was just. So the 3DS eShop worked on a system where it would authenticate your downloads with a string of code. I assume that's how all of it works everywhere, right? Close enough. Close enough. The point is FreeShop would basically send the correct string of code to the eShop every single time. So you could just open the eShop with the Homebrew 3DS and download literally anything the moment it comes out at full price. You get anything for free. And that was just there. And Nintendo, like, didn't know how to get it gone. And, and it's still it there. And it couldn't be tracked back to your device. Right. Yeah. Totally untrackable. If if this, if that happens with the Switch, like, I mean, yeah. So Nintendo out here, like. And I did not do this. Uh, just full disclosure, I did not do this. I'm I not a I never did this. 
I paid full money for my copy of Link Between Worlds. $30. I would respect you more if you didn't. (laughs) That's a good game. Yeah, I know. Do you want the employees at Nintendo to starve? Piracy is a crime, Andrea. That is one of the best 2D Zelda games. I mean, don't... What, do you have a better opinion than that? I bet you don't. That's That's a top opinion. Everything you like is bad and everything I like is better. Anyway, let's continue. Okay. We we have we have another one of those stories. You know the ones. Game industry. <laughs> Get it together, buds. Everything sucks. Everything sucks when you're an ununionized game developer. I don't wait, we don't have the rights to that song. Oh oh no. Someone contacted me. I couldn't tell. Lego movie? <laughs> Come on, Andy. Get it together. Yeah, but Riot, the makers of League of Legends, um, which is it still the biggest multiplayer game in the world? Probably. It's up there. I'm imagining uh, Fortnite or PUBG probably beat it. It's It's got to be in the top five because the the, the Chinese player base is, yeah, no, is massive. No doubt. Googling. Biggest multiplayer game. I, all I'm finding is lists of like best multiplayer and not the most yeah, popular. Yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. We, we know that it's in... Uh, it's up there. It's in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're back. There was a... Kotaku expose about this developer a while back, which had a number of um, of uh, accusations that came largely from anonymous sources within the company, which surprisingly were not only about crunch time, though that was an element too, but it was partially about sexual harassment, um, uh, sexual biases within the structure, and apparently a COO, this guy... Um, was his name Steve Gleb? I don't have the article pulled up. Let me see. But uh, the COO going around farting on people and 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 dry humping them. Yeah, Scott Gelb, who Kotaku reported as having ball tapped, farted on, or humped employees, remains in this position after a two month unpaid suspension and training. What a wonderful mature businessman as a leader. Yeah. Um. So the 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 piece mostly talked about like uh, Kotaku having a frat house culture. What? Not sorry. Not not Kotaku. I have no just, idea. Just what start over. Just say like. that again. Cut this. The Kotaku piece talked about Riot Games uh, offices having a frat house culture, and Scott Gelb, obviously being a prime example of that. Um, a number of employees, a, a quote core group, were meeting to plan a a, a a staff walkout to try and protest these conditions and um, situations and uh, up until very recently uh, the the development in, in the story was that Riot Games was going to address these problems with an arbiter ar- arbitra- an arbitration arbiter? An arbiter. An arbiter where yeah. they were going to deal with all of this in house and of course the employees were saying and, and I agree, if you have an arbiter from inside of the studio try to handle these problems internally. Well, that... It's not you. Most private auditors are uh, can be from like an arbiter organization. But the fact remains that they would be dealing with the problem without involving a court. Yeah, exactly. Which puts all of the power in the hands of Riot, not in the hands of the employees. Well, they do have one case that uh, both parties need to agree on the arbiter. Mm-hmm. So that's not it's not that they have total power, but it is a shitty situation. That being said, unfortunately, um, arbitration clauses, meaning that uh, you can't bring uh, any sort of issues like that to court in this effect. Uh, Most gaming companies and most uh, and a lot of companies in general 
have the same sort of clause. Uh, Steam, for example, also has that, or Valve rather. Mm-hmm. Has has what exactly though? Um, has a clause in it that you can't essentially can't sue your boss for work conditions. Here's a quote that's not from me, but is from a woman named Emma Kinema, who's a labor organizer at Game Workers Unite, which is one of the um, Game <laughs> Workers Union activist groups. Um, and she said. Forced arbitration clauses are designed to silence workers and minimize the options available to people hurt by these large corporations. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. They're unfortunately common, but uh, Riot is not the only bad guy in this situation. As usual. As usual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just sad, honestly. Well, what are your thoughts about the, the walkout? Because I think that's actually a really good start that yeah. these people are starting their taking a stand. I have to say, the walkout is specifically in response to um, the arbitration clause being used to prevent the uh, the issues that I believe it was two women in particular were planning, were attempting to sue Riot. Um, the walkout is specifically in response to Riot a- attempting to block their attempts at that. And um, wholeheartedly support them. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm glad people are taking a stand and you know, doing something about their awful conditions. Now, Riot did um, respond to these comments <laughs> and they no. dropped what is, I think, is some, it's it's some corporate speak, um, you know. They say, we know that this resolution will not satisfy, oh, wait, hold on. I'm reading a quote from ahead in the story, which is there was an update. Andy, you know more about it than I do about the um, riot agreeing to scrap mandatory operation for a certain number of employees. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah. So essentially, the um, the arbitration clause that they have in place, uh, they are planning or well, they have announced that they are going to stop doing that for new employees after this whole litigation kerfuffle is done. Yeah, they use the word pivot. Yeah. They use the, they're going to pivot their approach. Yeah, let's pivot this. Let's pivot this. But only after current litigation has been put to bed. As soon as this is a quote, as soon as current litigation is resolved, we will give all new rioters the chance to opt out of mandatory arbitration for individual sexual harassment and sexual assault claims. At that time, we will also commit to have a firm answer around expanding the scope and extending this opt out to all rioters. In other words, the people that got hired recently and have less of a stake in this don't get to they get to opt out. But the people that actually have been around long enough to feel compelled to raise these complaints do not have the option to opt out. I mean, it being an opt in, I being an opt in, opt out program in and of itself is is a little shady. I'm not a fan of that because it's it makes it more difficult for people to want to jump through more hoops and, you know, come out and say, like, hey, this happened to me. I was assaulted or I was harassed or some other awful thing that I'm sure happens at Riot frequently. And then Riot comes out and just praises, and this is the really egregious part to me, is they said, we know that this resolution will not satisfy all rioters. I, I like I the call called rioters. Term. I hate I think that. it's hilarious. But anyways, we know this resolution will not riot. satisfy all rioters. They did. They were going to walk out. We no. understand and respect rioters. Pitchforks. <laughs> who choose <laughs> to protest this decision on Monday and admire their conviction and willingness to stand up for their beliefs. By the way, Monday is going to be the date of this large company-wide meeting. This, this I think, is a really important element to the story. Riot is allowing these people to come and protest the decision and raise their general complaints directly to upper management, who, mind you, includes Scott Gelb, 
the ball tapper. Um, but they're doing it in what are you gonna what do you have? I just think that um I don't know if you're ever given that nickname, uh, you failed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he shouldn't be working there anymore. Um shouldn't but, be working anywhere anymore. But the all staff meeting they're allowing these people to raise their complaints in, you you have to understand the size of Riot. They are a huge studio. This is we're talking 100, 200 people in one room with the upper management, you know, ostensibly somewhere visibly sitting up in the front. And if they ask to the crowd who wants to talk about their complaints of sexual harassment and assault, do you really think that the people who need their voices to be heard are going to raise their hand in this massive, overwhelmingly large crowd of their peers and 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 speak out against the people that are their, that are giving them their jobs? And the perpetrators also being in the and room. And the perpetrators yeah. being there and the fucking ball tapper being there. Being the in charge dry of the company, humps employees yeah. who is in charge of, you know, we don't know this for sure, but he would be involved in the process of listening to their complaints that are direct. You know, it's... These people need to be sat down and spoken to privately, not not in a in a in a weird kangaroo court. Like we don't even know if this if this means that Riot will be considering all of their complaints in a formal way, or if they're just like, yeah, put them all in a room and let them talk. I don't even know if I don't even know if having them be private conversations is a good idea because I think it's important for people to make their stories known and out there. But I think having the the perp and your employers be in charge of this is not okay. I think there needs to be a third party in, involved in this. The idea that it's just them listening to them talk about them a is... A third party that is involved in the court system. A third party yeah, that is not nice. part of a mandatory arbitration clause dictated by Riot Games. Yeah. And so they say at the end here, this is from Riot, we, we are facing a complicated situation with no perfect solution. So arriving at a decision has not been easy. We are working diligently to resolve all ongoing litigation so that we can quickly take steps toward a solution that more rioters feel good about. This is where we are right now, but this is an ongoing process, and there's more to come. So, one small sliver of me wants to give Riot the benefit of the doubt and think that they're actually trying to address this in an in a, in a honest way. But Riot their has methods, a history of, we'll do better later. That's what I was getting to. This is not the first time that Riot has been called out for malpractice. The first time was was longer ago, and it wasn't about sexual harassment. It was about crunch culture, that old beast that keeps rearing its head on this podcast. What is what is crunch culture? We have an email about that. We'll get to it. Oh, emails. Emails. Um, yeah, I don't know. You you get the point. the The point is, they're speaking a lot of pretty flowery words, but Riot kind of always comes out and says we're looking at this, trying to fix it, but like. That is, if I was in charge of a PR set, and if I was in a PR setting, if a thing like this broke out, the first thing I would do is say, we don't have to decide how we're going to solve it right now. We just need to come out and say we're trying to solve it. That's all you have to do. Put the money where your mouth is and like, yeah. prove that you want to fix this so, instead of just saying things. So we'll see where it goes. Because who knows? Maybe they actually will try and fix it this time. But, but, the, but, but the Monday all-staff meeting happening next week to me... It just happening yesterday right for you guys because you're listening in the future. Right. So let us know what ha- you know. Let us know what happened. Yeah. Let us know. Future listener. <laughs> Speaking of listeners, letting us know what happened. Should we go into emails? Absolutely. Yeah. Or is there? I'm just asking if there's anything more you guys want to want to add to our to our riot um, coverage because it is a big story. Rioters rise up. <laughs> Gamers rise up. No, just the rioters. Just, just the rioters. Just, just the, the rioters. rioters. Yeah. Uh, you guys. I heard that um, 
Game Workers Unite exists. They were in that article. Mm-hmm. They were, yeah, you know yeah. About them? Um, they are one of the biggest uh, organizations, I'd say, or one of the loudest, I suppose. It's making a big push towards unionization in the games industry. Um, they're super cool. Um, you should definitely check them out if you're interested. Um, I'm interested mean, in supporting uh, people not treated like pack animals and, uh, yeah. you know. If, if you like games and want to see the people making your favorite games not be miserable and be able to sleep at night, then definitely check them out. Actually, real quick to drop a positive spin on this five-episode death march of Crunch Culture Stories, I did want to point out something I learned recently, that outside of the U.S., there are um, a number of informal game unions as well as game studios that are run as um, level pay cooperatives, meaning that everyone involved gets the same pay and share the profits with no hierarchy. And those do exist. I believe the developers of Dead Cells are like that. Um, They're in Europe. And there's a number of other uh, groups that work in that way. Um, I could be wrong. I think that Yacht Club of Shovel Knight did something similar. I think the big difference, though, is that both of those games are are definitely indie games. They have small teams. That's true. But I'm just saying, as a small microscopic example, it is proof that those structures can exist and they can produce quality products on a reasonable schedule. That's all I'm saying. Well, out for, for indie games, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Make AAA games smaller. That's what I've been saying. Yeah. All, I, every episode. I agree, I agree. They don't need to, we, don't, we don't need the horse balls, you know? No horse balls. Full horse circle. Balls. We're bringing it back. How about those emails? Episode one, baby. Emails. Do you guys want to start with a bit of a heavier email? Let's do that. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, okay. Uh, we got an email from Kyle, and he says, what it do, nerds? Uh, only joking. It do. In parentheses. What it do. It do. Uh, loving the show. Listening to your discussions on the current state of the industry is always intriguing. Thank you, Kyle. Oh, thank you. I'm an avid gamer with a decent background in fighting games, more specifically Mortal Kombat. Oh, hell yeah. Having been invited to multiple tournaments, I can confidently say I've spent a hefty chunk of my time playing all of NetherRealm Studio titles. However... Their most recent release is stirring up quite the controversy in terms of its gameplay loop being a tedious grind, along with more recent developments suggesting that NetherRealm, like many studios, has likewise induced crunch culture into their workspace on all the releases since MK9 back in 2011, with multiple reports from past employees surfacing. I can't say I'd find this hard to believe. I'm curious, what is your guys' thoughts on crunch culture in the gaming industry? I mean, have you pre-ordered, bought a little on day one, and immediately been disappointed? Round of applause for my guy Kyle. Can we clap in our mics and not hurt them? <laughs> it feels good to get an email from a listener. Yeah. That's yeah, that's what nice. I was saying. Um, and we, and we did talk about the the crunch culture, but it's worth bringing up. I think it's really important to talk about this and make this known. Yes. Um, and I had a similar issue that Nolan did with with Red Dead, where this was something I was interested in, looking forward to, but I didn't think I wanted to support that business practice. And I ended up doing it anyway, and I think in hindsight I kind of regret it, um, just because there's nothing that makes that okay. And I've definitely, I feel like I've learned my lesson, and it, being a little more conscious about this is important to me now. I I would say that oh, I wouldn't buy a game that's uh, you know done in this uh, abusive system, but uh, I, I've never had my steel tested really, mostly because uh, just the games I I'm interested in, in and the games that I play generally aren't conducive. Yeah, you have to... more of an indie taste. Huh? Oh, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm way more indie. Give me a weird art game about, I don't know, German sex. I'm all about that. Is that out there? Probably. Okay. <laughs> Everyone check on your H.io accounts. 
Uh, Itch.io. Oh, no, that's on Steam by now. Let me tell you, there's some indie games on there. Uh, Kyle, this actually is a big problem for me because I like to keep up with AAA releases. I really like to be on top of whatever the industry is pumping out because I'm really interested in the medium of games as like a... I want to be able to look back in 20 years and look at like the games that were historically relevant and have been there. Like the blockbusters. Like the blockbusters. So I like to keep up with those. But increasingly, it's becoming clear that 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 involves opting in to being one of the people that supports this this issue. And so we actually, I would point you to episode, I think it was one and four we talked the most about this. I mean, I'm I'm sure he's listened to this. I'm sure you've listened, but like this is where we talked a lot about this, especially most recently with me and uh, Andrea talked about my feeling that I am really torn between the idea of supporting the developers who are actually boots on the ground making these games versus voting with my dollar by not buying the games. But I am reluctant to say that the solution is just to not buy any of them here's the thing those i i disagree yeah but but like increasingly i am reevaluating that opinion the more i mean i until starting this podcast was not quite so tuned into the news and i'm just saying that as a preface for the way i've been thinking up until recently which is why i bought red dead 2 it's why i bought god of war it's why i bought whatever but more recently i'm thinking a lot more about it because if people keep buying them, they can keep making them. Yeah, it's... I do think Kyle brought up a really interesting point, too, with the... Uh, we didn't really get to touch on this, but they did have sort of a aggressive uh, microtransaction issue that people were upset about. Um, so they had clearly planned to, like, make money and, like... Whoa, hold up. That's a controversial opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game company planning to make money? Yeah, yeah. Hold I up. know, it's wild, but... Uh, but, but there Every were no... these organizations just in it for profits these days. What happened to the art? Yeah, yeah. I want to play Final Fantasy IX. Come on. What kind of <laughs> Why character nine? is that? Why does your character like nine? The only good developers are from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> no crunch culture there. No, not yeah, not, none. You know why? Because they don't use capitalism. It's a little better over there. <laughs> Everybody works voluntarily. No, <laughs> that's that's incorrect. Anyway, go back to your bit. thing about loot boxes. <laughs> I hate that bit. I just want to make that very clear how much I hate that bit. Um, oh, I agree. Uh, Nolan, uh, <laughs> but yeah, sorry to say we're kicking Nolan off the show. Hey, Hi. Alex, tell me about your thing. Well, now that I'm the new host, I can uh, happily talk <laughs> about the- Who said uh, that? <laughs> he's qualified because he's wearing an N64 t-shirt with an N64 button up over it. I don't need you to put me on blast <laughs> on the <laughs> air. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> okay, anyways, anyways. Looks like a scrub with the N64 logo on it, and it I'm does, all about does. that. He's out there, like, blowing into cartridges, trying to resuscitate them, like... <laughs> anyway, loot boxes. Uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, they clearly planned to make a bunch of money, and there were no signs that they were going to pay or treat their employees any better. So, like, you know, it's 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 your typical, like, capitalism. Like, you know, you, you make a dollar, or they make a dollar, you make a dime type thing. Yeah. To, to, Time's generous, man. To sum it up, because we've <laughs> always we've always talked about specific cases, but to sum it up, I think these days where I fall is that the solution is to reevaluate if AAA games need to be this big and stop expecting, like, as consumers, I think it's important for us to stop expecting every single AAA release to be this monumental reinvention of the medium, because that's what leads to people focusing man hours on the horse balls. And then as developers, they need to stop worrying about 
the consumers responding negatively to games being pared back, but which I think is the is the thing. I, I I don't think it's some sort of monumental, oh, this is going to change the industry type thing. I don't think anyone thought that Mortal Kombat 11 is going to change the gaming industry. It's- no, but when Mortal Kombat 11 had issues, they came out and immediately followed the precedent that Epic set, which is we're going to work our hardest to fix this right now as soon as possible. And that leads to people like, I'm just saying it's a kind of entitlement where people expect top tier games with perfect polish and they expect developers to be on top of everything when something goes wrong. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily related to crunch culture in this context, mostly because all they really did for their response was, you know, just change some drop rates or I don't know the exact number, but it was basically just shifting some stats around. Yeah, but it wasn't creating new content. It wasn't like they didn't fire Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, if we're using the Reddit, if we're using the Reddit example, all I'm saying is you you can make a 120 hour game and that's great. But increasingly, it's becoming to this point where like every AAA developer is expected to do something like that. And it's like you could just, you know, give me a couple more Katamaris. Give me some more Chibi Robos, you know, give me some small, some small, nice games I can drop a 60 bucks on and just play and have fun. You don't need to make these giant ones. Yeah, I know. But um, I don't know. We might be the minority in that regard. I definitely yeah, think And are. that's why they can't do it. Because yeah, people but, are like, Days Gone only has 60 hours of content. But I don't even think that's the issue. I think, I don't think it's expectations. I think it's just people not being aware of the issues or alternatively just not caring about yes, them. Yes, the, the majority of consumers are not reading the exposés about crunch culture because they don't care. And I mean, like, why would they if it's not brought to their attention? So that's the thing is they can keep doing this because... I mean, you said this on every single episode. So th- th- at this point, we're a broken record. Yeah. But that's I, well, the I do want to bring here. one thing up about Mortal Kombat in particular. I think it's interesting that, I mean, it's it's an eSport, basically. So, like, if you don't get in early, you're going to fall behind. Yeah. There is, like, a there is a desire to to get in as soon as you can and keep up with the game. It's not like Red Dead, where you can wait it out until it goes on sale. It's true. If you want to get good and keep up with Mortal Kombat, do all the best fatalities or whatever then, you know, you're probably going to have to go in early. We have another email. This is, the, this is the lighter one. It's from Dylan, and he says, Hypothetical situation. You have a crush on someone, and they invite you over to play a video game. What is the worst video game they could say they'd want to play that you'd say yes to? And are there any games that you would say no to? P.S. Paramount Sonic is daddy. You know... <laughs> You didn't have to read that last part. Oh, That's such a bold and oh, controversial statement, you, but I'm very really glad he made it. You did not have to read that have last part. Have you seen part. the leg picture? I've seen the legs. Paramount Sonic is daddy. I love me a man with some blue All right, fur. so so let's say that this person you're interested in comes over to hang out and is like, let's let's play a game, and they pick out a game, and the issue is, uh, what's what's how how far would you go? Like, what's yeah, the what's the worst you game you'd say yes to? <laughs> hmm. God. That's a toughie. I I think I'm gonna start with a. Uh, I don't know. This might be a controversial one. I don't know, like Gears of War. <laughs> oh, so your your definition of, of of bad is just like boring. Like it's yeah, just like it's not fun to play. That's <laughs> fair. Yeah. I mean, nobody's gonna come up and be like, "Hey, I want to play Ride to Redemption or Road to Redemption or whatever it's called." Oh right? yeah. Look, oh. if you, if I you would, in, I would have a blast. It, that's 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 where I fall on this. If you invite me over to play like a terrible game like if you're like yo let's like get some popcorn and play sonic 06 i'm all about that i'm yeah, that same. sounds like an amazing evening but you you have to either go the lowest quality or the highest quality if you're gonna hit me with like a let's play two human for xbox 360 like i'm out i'm, I'm blocking you on tinder 
Maybe if they were like, let's play The Sims for PS4. No, oh no. Yeah, no. that's the thing. That's the thing. Let's play Zoo Tycoon what was that, what was for that the one on GameCube, The Herbs. What? The herbs or oh, something? Oh god, that's like that one's problematic even. Yeah. Is it? I don't know about this. It's 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 the it's the Sims, but it's called the herbs because it's like inner city. Oh people. no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. If they no. came over and here they all have like hip hop idol animations or like I'm yeah, I'm gonna block them on, on Tinder. That's not yeah. Oh. Okay, so what is the game that you'd say no to? And I think you already talked about that, but like What's what, how about this? Instead of a game you'd say no to, because that's more of a category. What's the game that someone would say that you'd be like, "Oh God, I could never be with this person," and but but it's because they unironically like it, not because it's bad. I mean, just to be clear, I don't want to be like judgmental or like gatekeeping or anything. <laughs> but like, if in 2019 somebody's like, "Hey, let's play Skyrim," I'm oh, gonna be a little a fun game. I know, but it's like, and I don't think less of anyone that still likes Skyrim. I want to make that clear. <laughs> Um, it's a good game. It's still a fun game. I'm just a little sick of it by now. Is all. Uh, if somebody tells me they want to play Mario Party Seven with me, what? Um, they go in the quarry. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> is is this an issue of like we only have one Mario Party, or is this like this one is my favorite Mario Party? I take it back. If anyone asks me to play Mario Party with them, into the quarry. Oh come on! All right, let me just let me just drop this out there for people. If you want my heart and you want to be mine forever. Invite me over to play Sonic Heroes on the GameCube. Oh, and I'm, 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 I'm yeah. down. And we can play Sonic Heroes and play the co-op. I don't, I don't think it actually has co-op, but you can swap <laughs> characters. There's like three of them. Oh, man, I got the theme uh, I think song I figured Sonic out. Heroes. Oh, my God. I think I figured out my game that I would say no to. It's probably Sonic, Sonic Heroes. Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Sonic Heroes. <laughs> Make the outro song the Sonic Heroes theme. That's, I, don't, I don't think we can do we that. copyright stricken on that? Yeah, we're going to yeah. Anyways. Crush 40 will get on us. On that Crush note. Crush 40's lawyers. On Sonic Heroes, the note. That's our show. Uh, if you have emails you want us to read and talk about Sonic again um, we'd love to talk about him oh boy I love Sonic I can't wait for November love that hog the email is ngood at dailyemerald.com shoot him that way and I've been Nolan I've been Alex I've been Andrea and tangerines are not that good fine they're oranges good get out get out